Thank you. You may be seated. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering. And you give tonight, and the Lord will bless you. Let me remind you now and ask you to be praying about our special Sunday forgiving that is coming up the third Sunday in May. We call it the Chester Joe Ash story and just uh, the Chester Joe Ash offering. And I know that many of you are new and maybe don't understand the story, but there is a story in the scripture where there was a chest that was built and they brought their offerings in. Okay, okay. Yeah, we need to be careful there, John. We won't have a special prayer for uh, Brandon. They must have got sick after he sung there. Okay, so we'll have prayer for him. We'll say more about the offering in a moment. Let's remember Brandon. Let's pray for him right now. Father, we ask you, Lord, to be with Brandon. You know what's going on. Touch him right now. I pray you meet every need that he has. Watch over him this moment. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to you about every situation, about every need. And you know the needs that, and the problems Brandon has had. So we lift him up to you at this moment. Bless our offering right now in Jesus' name. Amen.
city of light where there cometh no night and the sun never sets in the sky in the bible we're told that the streets are pure dough and a cool gentle
my longing heart to him who bled and died for me, whose blood now cleanses from all sin and gives me victory. We're looking forward to that day, everyone standing tonight. This is a chance for you to get out and shake hands as we sing, Oh, I Want to See Him. As the choir is coming down, you get out, shake hands. Don't wait for someone. Get out and make yourself friendly tonight. Oh, I want to see him.
the first now. As I journey through this land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flood. Many arrows pierced my soul from within, within. He leads me all through him, I must win. Oh, I want to see. We're going to sing uh, I Surrender All. I'd like to uh, thank everybody that was praying for me while I was out. I wasn't going to get up here and cry, but uh, you know, it's nice to have people like y'all out there when, when you're under the weather, and, uh, and it's nice to have a God up there that you can talk to when nobody else is around. And, uh, you know, I, sp I speak for me and my whole family when, when I say that, that we love y'all a lot, and uh, Thank you for everything that y'all done for us. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live
all to Jesus I surrender humbly at his feet I bow worldly pleasures all forsaken take me Jesus take me now I surrender all I surrender all all to glad to have Darren back in our services, aren't we? He's been under the weather, had a virus or something they couldn't quite pinpoint. Then they finally found out him and the dog had been eating out of the same bowl, and that's what it was. <laughs> Love Darren, don't you? Always a blessing. Praise the Lord. Terry, you come. He's got an announcement he wants to make about the youth. Be finding Joshua chapter 14. Throughout the years, uh, the young people have done just about everything you can possibly do to raise money. Uh, we did car washes and carnivals, and we've even resorted to begging, which uh, I'll let you know we're not above that now, uh, if it comes to that. But on June, Friday, June the 1st, we're going to have the second annual TBCY Benefit Golf Tournament, and it's a big shindig. And, we want to invite everyone in the church that plays, uh, men and women, to come out and play. And next week, I'll have some entry forms for you that you can get and fill out and get involved in the tournament. Everything that we make in the tournament goes to our summer trip to Yadkinville and, and provides for transportation and a couple of meals we've got to get and some other things. But uh, that's one way that you can help. If you don't play golf, you don't get off the hook. We also uh, are accepting uh, what we call sponsorships from businesses and some of you that work at small businesses here in town that would like a nice tax-deductible donation to a worthy cause you can sponsor either a hole or a cart or both or all the holes in all the carts if the Lord leads you that way which is what uh, John Morgan said the Lord was leading him to do was to sponsor all 18 holes and all 18 carts everybody say amen to that bless you John you're a blessing to us Say amen. But no, we, we would appreciate your support. This, is, this and the Mother's Day Carnations, which we'll also be taking orders for next week, are the only fundraisers we do. We've quit doing car washes and bake sales. And other than a couple of teenagers I'm looking to sell, that's it. That's the only way we're going to raise our money. So we're depending on you, and, and we would appreciate all the help that you can give us. Next week will be the forums for the sponsorships and the holes. And if you can help us, we'd appreciate it. Thank you. Well, 
They're raising their money to go to Youth Alive, uh, Brother Tim Lee. In fact, uh, Brother Tim will be with us the 1st of June and then the very next week uh, with the Youth Alive in Yadkinville, North Carolina, and our teenagers will be going there. Joshua 14, uh, find your place there. Let me remind you again, uh, the chest of Joash is a special offering based upon a store in the Bible and that we take once a year, and this is to enable us to do uh, projects that involve our buildings and different things. Our offering this year is going to uh, help us to uh, pay for the renovation of the Sunday School building in the back, which we're turning into changing for our preschool department, new nurseries and different things like that, and also to create the new entranceway uh, in from the educational facilities here into the auditorium. It's going to run us somewhere neighborhood between $150,000, $175,000. And so everything that you give on that particular day goes toward taking care of that. So what we ask everybody to do for you that are new is to really pray about on the chest of Joash Sunday to give a special offering to the Lord. And it goes toward our building project. So uh, you keep that in mind and be praying about it. And if you want to give something weekly to the building fund, you can do so and uh, we'll, we'll be doing a lot of things in the years to come raising money there. A church that never has to raise money is a church that's not doing anything. Amen? God does His work through the giving of the people of the Lord. So uh, it's always a thrill to be able to see the Lord provide and meet needs. I miss Ricky this morning. Ricky, would you stand? Ricky also came and joined our church this morning. He got saved. He's following the Lord in believers' baptism. Let's shake or let Ricky know how much we appreciate him. I'm real proud of Ricky, and we had so many lined up down here that I missed him standing over to the side, but uh, I want to just make mention of him tonight. And then let me just uh, add one more announcement. The Justifier, the quartet that's singing, of course, continue to pray for Brandon. You know, Brandon's been having uh, problems with the seizures and different things, and he got sick there and had to, had to go out. But uh, they're going to be singing on the Southern Bell. That's... Uh, April the 30th, and uh, so if you're interested in going and being on the uh, cruise ship with them, a good meal and everything, uh, you can uh, get tickets for that, and there'll be a flyer up here. I want you to stand as we honor the reading of His Word, Joshua chapter 14. We continue our study through Joshua, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 15 tonight, but uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I put everything together, my traditional three points, and uh, had it all ready, but there are just so many things that uh, I would want to say or wanted to say that I couldn't have said if I went through the whole message. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to have three points to the message. We're only going to look at the first one tonight. And then we'll come back next Sunday night, Lord willing, and look at the next two or maybe just one of them. But I want us to think tonight about an 85-year-old mountain climber. Let me answer that telephone. Let, let, let me answer that. Yeah. I've always, uh, it, Patty, of course, I like that, isn't it? We would have never known who that was if Patty hadn't got up and walked out there. But I've, al I've always thought, when the phone rings in church, I know we all, we got so many things going and we forget, and I know nobody ever, you know, intends for it to happen on purpose, but I've often thought, I wish they'd hand that telephone to me and let me answer it. Yeah. Say, Hello? Oh, this is the preacher. We're in church. Where are you at? You're supposed to be in church. Amen. 
so the next time one of your phones go off, bring it up here to me. We'll, I'll answer it. Amen. Joshua chapter 14. Let's think about an 85-year-old mountain climber. And I want us to look tonight or begin looking at a man by the name of Caleb. And I want us to learn something about the life of faith. And I want us to learn some lessons about faith. As I looked at Caleb and thought about him and have had two or three weeks to think about Caleb and how I wanted to approach the passage here, my heart kept being drawn back to certain lessons about faith. We're going to look at those tonight as we begin looking at the Scripture. Verse 5, Joshua chapter 14. As the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Knesnite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old." As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron was before Kerjath Arba, which is Arba, which was a great man among the Anakims. And the land had rest from war. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. And tonight, let's begin to look at Caleb. And let's think about this 85-year-old mountain climber. Our Father, tonight in Jesus' name, as we gather here tonight and we have been brought together according to your divine purpose for our life on the Lord's day, we've come together, Lord, to worship, We've come together, Lord, to fellowship in the Lord and to fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we've also come that we might hear the Word of God. Father, as we open this book and read the Word of God, we are mindful that this is Your Word. We're mindful, Lord, that one day we'll stand before You with our response to Your Word. We are accountable to the hearing of the Word of God. 
So, Father, as we come tonight, we are mindful of this book and what it is and what it represents. Father, we ask you tonight as your children that you might speak to us. Help us as a church, as a body of believers to hear from you tonight through the Word of God. Honor the name of Jesus and we'll praise you and thank you for it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are many things that God wants to do in the life of a believer. And there are many things that God wants to do in the life of a church. I believe this tonight. I believe that every person in the sound of my voice, there are some wonderful things that God wants to do for you. And I believe that as a church, as a body, as a whole, that there's some wonderful things that God wants to do for us. There are many wonderful blessings that God wants to bestow upon us as His children. There are blessings of God that have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And you could say that they're ours for the taking. That's what the whole book of Joshua's been about. And we're quickly moving our way through Joshua. And the whole book of Joshua has been an example that there are blessings to be obtained. And there are blessings to be experienced by every believer and by every church that will follow God. One of the keys to possessing our possessions and experiencing all that God has for us is the key of faith. From the opening verse of Joshua chapter 1 to where we have got now in chapter 14, there has been one constant theme. Joshua and the children of Israel had to take God at His word. From the very beginning, from the moment they crossed the Jordan River, they took God at His word. The city of Jericho was because they took God at His word. One constant thing has been the faith of the children of Israel and faith to take God at His word. One of the New Testament testimonies of the events that happened in, in the book of Joshua is found in Hebrews 11.30. Hebrews 11.30 said, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Did you get that? By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. The city of Jericho was not taken by force. The city of Jericho was taken by faith. The city was not gained, it was given. God gave the city to them. And God gave the city to them as He promised. It was given to them because of their faith. So again, so there's a lot of things that God wants to do for me and a lot of things God wants to do for you. And a lot of things that God wants to do for us as a church. But one of the keys to obtaining what God has for us is taking God at His word. It's a matter of faith. Now when you come to chapter 14 of the book of Joshua, we find a wonderful illustration and a wonderful example of faith. When you come to Joshua chapter 14, the land has been claimed and the land has been conquered. The children of Israel are now in the land that God had given them hundreds of years before. It's been many years since the beginning of the book of Joshua when they crossed the Jordan River. And now they possess the land. Now they have conquered the land. Now it is theirs. We read in verse 5, the Bible said, As the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Again, they have conquered the land. Now... They are dividing the land. When the Bible speaks about them dividing the land, it speaks about how each tribe of the children of Israel had been promised a certain section of the land of Canaan. Chapter 13, and we skipped over that from our last study, 
because it's really what chapter 13 about is just simply the dividing of the land. And chapter 13 describes the division of the land and to whom was given what? Every one of the 12 tribes was given an inheritance or given a portion of land as God had promised them. Now, there was only one exception, and that was the tribe of Levi. I find it very interesting, the inheritance or the portion that was given the tribe of Levi. Look at Joshua 13 and verse 33. The Bible said, But unto the tribe of Levi, Moses gave not any inheritance. You say, well, why not? Notice the next statement. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance, as he said unto them. You see, to the tribe of Israel, instead of giving them land, the Lord was their inheritance, and the Lord was their portion. They were the ones that would serve in the priesthood, and they were the ones that, as as a certain tribe set aside that would serve in holy service. Verse 14 of chapter 13 said, Only under the tribe of Levi he gave none inheritance. The sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance. In other words, the children of Israel, or the Levites, they would serve God. They would live off the sacrifices that would become their food, their means of support. The sacrifices that were brought by the children of Israel, the love offerings that were given by the people, that's how the Levites would live. All the other tribes would live off the land. They would draw their income and they would maintain their living off the portion of land that God had given them. The only difference, only exception was the tribe of Levi and they, of course, the Lord was their inheritance. But now they're dividing the land. Everybody's getting their portion as God had so promised. And as they're dividing the land, suddenly there steps forward this 85-year-old man. And he walks up to General Joshua, and this is what he says, Give me this mountain. His name was Caleb. And he boldly walks up to Joshua, and he makes a claim, I have wholly followed the Lord. He asked for something. And he asked for something based upon his own claim, I have wholly followed the Lord. And what is Caleb saying? When Caleb said he had wholly followed the Lord, he is claiming that through the years he had given God his undivided allegiance. He is claiming that he had served God with a wholehearted devotion, that he had put God first in his life, and he had kept God first in his life. God had been first in his affections and God had been first in his ambitions and he had wholly followed the Lord. Nothing else had been a priority in his life. He had wholly followed the Lord. I mentioned Clovis Chapel this morning. He says about Caleb that this wholeheartedness accounts for the great success that he made of life. And he went on to talk about how we many times lack this wholeheartedness in our Christian life. But here is Caleb. He comes up and he said, now give me this mountain. And give me this mountain because I have wholly followed the Lord. What a thrilling testimony he gives. Look in verse 11. He said, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. Here's what Caleb is saying. Caleb said, I'm 85 years old, but I'm just as fired up about serving God as I was 40 years ago. Caleb said, I am as just as dedicated, just as committed to God, just as strong as I've ever been. Caleb is saying, I'm on the firing line and I'm ready to claim what has been given to me 
by the Lord. I don't know about you, but I like that. Don't you? I like Caleb. For I find that for many reasons, majority of believers, the older they get, the colder they get in the Lord. Instead of staying on fire, instead of being refired, they have retired. They've just give up on God. But Caleb is an 85-year-old man, 85 years old, and he's saying, I want that mountain. Now, here's the question that becomes the basis of what we'll look at over the next couple of Sunday nights. What is the story behind this mountain? Caleb comes along and he says, I want this mountain. Why? Why does he make such a claim? Why does he come up and say, give it to me? It's what has been given to me. What is the background to the mountain? It's a story of one man's faith in God. And so I want us to look at Caleb and learn something about his faith. The first thing I want you to look at tonight, and the only thing that we'll focus upon is one, how God requires faith. When I look at the life of Caleb, I am mindful of how God requires faith. Look at Joshua 14, 6. Look at the scripture again. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee and Kadesh Barnea. Now, Caleb's words in verse 6 takes us back more than 40 years earlier to a scene at Kadesh Barnea. I want you to turn, if you will, follow me a couple of places in the Bible. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Deuteronomy is the history book. Deuteronomy is where Moses recaps their history, recaps all that God has done. And when you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 1, he recaps or re. Uh, recalls and reflects on the story that is the background to what Caleb is talking about in Joshua 14, 6. When Caleb walks, up to, uh, Caleb walks up to Joshua and says, Give me this mountain, and he talks about well, a mountain that had been given to him, this is what he's talking about. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, notice with me please, beginning in verse 19. Now we're just going to read the story. So I'm reading a history story about what went on. The Bible said in Deuteronomy 1, verse 19, And Moses said, or God said, And when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness, 40 years of wandering and whatever, or for the wilderness as they left Egypt, which you saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us, and we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said unto you, You are coming to the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Now he says, he's talking about their history, how they've been brought out of Egypt. They come to a certain point now where they go into Canaan, are ready to go into Canaan, Kadesh Barnea as it was called. And Moses says to him, You remember how I told you? God hath given to us this land. Verse 21. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it. As the Lord God of our fathers, of thy fathers, has said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. Moses said, You remember what I told you? Go get it. This is our land. God's given it to us. Now go, let's go take it and possess it. It is ours. And don't fear, nor be discouraged. Verse 22, And you came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us. What out of each tribe, they said, And they shall search out the land and bring us word again. Now notice this by what way we must go up and into what cities we shall come. 
They come along and they said, tell you what, let's do. Let's take one man out of every tribe and we'll go out and spy out the land. Now, they didn't go over there to spy the land out to see whether or not they could take it. They went over there originally to spy out the land to see which would be the best way to take it. Again, it was not a matter, can we take it? They have just gone through being told that God has given us a land. So they want to say, well, let's go over and look at it, and we'll pick out the best route to go in, and the best way we'll take the land. Verse 23, Moses continues his history story. A lesson, he said, and saying, and the saying pleased me well, and I took 12 of you, one of a tribe. And they turned and went up in the mountain and came into the valley of Eskel and searched it out. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down unto us and brought his word again and said, It is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. Now, here's what Moses is doing. Moses in Deuteronomy 1 is giving them a story and reminded them of how they were brought to the edge of the land that God had given them and how they spied out the land, which way to go, and brought back the abundance of the land. And he talks about, he's, he's reminding them of their history and what God did for them, and he speaks of the land. He said in verse 20, It's the Lord our God doth give unto us. He said to them, This is the land God has given us. Verse 21, Before, Behold, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Now go up and possess it. And in verse 25, the report was given that it is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. You see, in other words, before they ever set one foot in the land, it was already theirs. Hundreds of years before God had already given it to them. And before they ever saw it, and before they ever got there, and before they ever put one foot on the land, the land had already been given to them. It was theirs for the taking. All they had to do was believe. All they had to do was take God at His word. There was only one thing required. It was theirs. It had been given to them. God said it's your faith. Faith is required in the life of the believer. When you think about Caleb and the, go the background to his claim for a mountain, we'll learn more about why he had a claim to the mountain. But the whole story had to do with the point they had, were brought and what God had given them, and all they had to do was to take God at his word and do what God said, and it was theirs. And we know they backed down. But it reminds us, and the point is this, that in the life of the believer, faith is something that is Required. Let me say two things about faith tonight. One, faith is expected in the life of the believer. I want you to listen to me tonight. How many of you are saved? Raise your hand. Are you a Christian? Say amen. All right, then I want you to understand something. Faith is expected in your life. When we talk about faith, I'm talking about something that God expects to find in every believer's life. Hebrews 10, 38 said, Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Over four times you'll find that statement, or very similar to it. Now the just shall live by faith, or the just shall live by his faith. In other words, the Bible is telling us four times, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, that one of the things that is to characterize the life of the believer is faith. Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7? For we walk by faith and not by sight. 
What I'm saying is this, that God expects the believer to live by faith. And God expects the believer to walk by faith. You say, well, living by faith and walking by faith, that's for the missionary. Or living by faith or walking by faith, that's for the preacher or that's for the evangelist. I want you to listen to me tonight. Faith is to be found in the life of every believer. In fact, if you don't believe that God expects to find faith in the believer, I want you to listen to Hebrews eleven six. 6. In fact, I believe I have it on the screen. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Look at it. Listen to it. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Did you get that statement? Let me say it to you again. This is the Bible. This is the Word of God. You believe the book? This is the Bible. What does it say? But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to Him, to God, must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You hear what the Scripture said? I can't please God if there's not faith in my life. I can't please God if I am not living by faith and walking by faith. Just like God expected to find faith in the children of Israel, He expects to find faith in our life. You read Paul's writings, the New Testament books, and you'll find that one of the things that constantly concerned him was the faith of his converts. You take and read the New Testament books and the books that Spirit of God used Paul to write and just go through there and start underlining the times that he asked about somebody's faith, that he was concerned about their faith, what was lacking in their faith, time and time and time again. He was concerned that their faith was growing. And he was concerned that faith was evident in her life. For example, look in 1 Thessalonians 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. I want to give you, look, give you a chance to dust your Bible up. Now, putting this on the screen, I want you to use your Bible for a minute. Because I put everything on the screen, you'll just sit there and you'll just have this blank look up in the air. And I, don't want, I want you to, to work with me tonight. Amen? Amen? Amen. Look at 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 5. Just for example, Paul is concerned about faith. In 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 5, we read, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, when I could no longer uh, uh, live with myself or could no longer let it go, or I had to know something, he said, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. When I couldn't stand it anymore, he said, I sent someone, I want to know how you were doing and how your faith was doing. Verse 6, but now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have a good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. That's one example. Paul first was concerned about their faith. And then when Timotheus came back with a report of how they were doing, he was cheered by their faith. But he was always concerned about the believer, the convert, and their faith. In other words, Paul looked at faith as something that is to be growing in the life of every believer. He looked at faith as something that is to be a part of a Christian's life. Faith is expected in the believer. But get this, second of all, Faith is not only expected in our lives, it is essential in our lives. Faith is something God expects in the believer, but faith is something that is essential to the believer. Now listen to me. 
In the children of Israel, faith was essential if they were to go in and to possess what was theirs. It had been given to them. God said, it's yours. They even admitted that God had give it to, give, given them the land. And the only thing that was required for them to simply take God at his word. Now, that's what faith is tonight. Faith is not wishing on a star. Faith is not a feeling of optimism. Faith is taking God at his word, believing what God said in his word. And that is the only thing that was required. Moses said to him, verse 21, fear not. Neither be discouraged in Deuteronomy 1, and rather in, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 1. He was telling them, this is yours. Go after it. And the one thing that was essential to keep them from being afraid was faith. And the one thing that was essential to keep them from being discouraged was faith. And the one thing that was essential for them to go in and take the land was faith. Taking God at His word. How are you listening to me tonight? Faith is not only expected in my life, but it is essential to my life. It's essential to enjoying what is mine in Christ. Faith is essential to me experiencing what God wants me to have. Faith is essential for you to possess your possessions. I said at the very beginning, there's some wonderful things God has for you as a believer. You believe that tonight? There's wonderful things God has for us as a church, as a body of believers. But faith, is essential to possessing what is what has been given unto us. Let me show you what I'm talking about. I want you to look at one verse of Scripture, Colossians 2, verse 6. I want you to look at the verse, and then I'm going to illustrate the verse for you, and then I'll be through tonight. But I want you to see how essential faith is in the life of the believer. Look at Colossians 2 and verse 6. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. Colossians 2, 6. Look at it. As ye have therefore, we've got it on the screen, but you mark it in your Bible. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Now let me read it to you again, let's slowly. As ye have therefore received Christ, just the same way you receive Christ, walk ye in Him. Him. Now let me ask you a question. How did we receive Christ? Did we receive Christ because of what we did? Did we receive Christ because of how we lived? Did we receive Christ by our works or by our church membership? No, we received Christ. How? Answer me. How? By faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God. We took God at His word. We accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior by faith. We came to Him. We believed what He said. We accepted what He said. That's how we receive Christ. Back in verse 5 of Colossians 2, he even talks about that. He said, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. He talks about their faith in Christ and then said, as ye have received Christ, so walk ye in Him. In other words, we receive Christ by faith, therefore we are to walk by faith or to walk in Him by faith. In other words, Faith was not only essential for you to get saved, but faith is essential for your walk after you get saved. You came to Christ by faith. 
you received him. But you are to walk in him by faith. It is essential. Let me illustrate what I'm trying to say. A number of years ago, I ran across a little book entitled The Faith Crisis by Ron Dunn. And I, I love all of Ron Dunn's books and have always enjoyed hearing him preach. But I think his little book on faith crisis is probably the best book he ever wrote. And in the book, he has a chapter entitled The House That Grace Built. And he describes salvation like a house built beside a broad and busy highway. And he describes how every one of us were born on that highway and we were spending our life following that highway to its destination. At the very first, the trip was exciting and very little effort was required. It's just wonderful. We all got in with the crowd traveling this broad highway, having a good time. But further on down the road, the travel and the, the things became a little more difficult. Our joy was gone and people on the road rarely laughed anymore, forced to smile. The backpack we had been issued at the very beginning of our journey had grown heavier and heavier every day. And we had become permanently stooped from the weight of that backpack. And what was even worse, the farther we got down the road, the more we feared what we'd find down there at the end of the road. So as the farther we went along, the load got heavier and heavier, and the fears got greater and greater. But one day as we were traveling this broad road, we were drawn to this beautiful house sitting on the side of this broad road. Constructed right there on the side of the road, a magnificently, magnificent constructed house. And over the narrow door was a sign written in red that said, Whosoever will may enter in and find rest. You what, like most of us did, we said to ourselves, That's exactly what I need. I am tired of this journey i am tired of this load and we broke from the crowd and we ran up the steps of the front door but when we got to the front door we found that the door was locked like most of us we thought to ourselves well who's going to invite you to come in the house and then lock the door so you can't get in few few of you you've started pounding on the door and saying let me in let me in i'm tired i'm tired and you often rest I'm tired, let me in. Nobody opened the door. A couple of you even tried to pick, pick the lock, tried to get in, but you couldn't get in. And so we're standing there, and then suddenly a voice speaks our name, and we turn, and there stands the builder of the house. He smiles at us, and he hands us a key, and on that key is carved one word, faith, F-A-I-T-H. He says, try it. We took the key of faith that had been given to us by the master builder, put it into the lock, twisted it, and the door swung open. You remember that day? Do you remember that day? Well, the moment we walked inside, that old heavy backpack we had just suddenly fell from our shoulders. And suddenly there was a sense, a wonderful sense of relief and peace filled our heart as a believer. Well... To make a long story short, the builder welcomed us into his new, our new home and explained that everything there was ours. 
Everything was ours to enjoy. He explained to us it was the house that great built, Grace built. It wouldn't cost us one dime. It wouldn't cost us one penny. There was no charge. We had full run of the house. It was all ours. Help ourselves. Well, shortly after we got in the house that Grace built, we began to explore our new surroundings, and we found that it was a house that had door after door after door after door after door. We walked over here. Here's a door, and it's marked answered prayer. Right beside it is another door, and it is marked daily victory. And here's another door. Every need supplied. Another door, miracles, and just door after door, hallway after hallway, room after room after room. And every one of the doors was marked differently. Each door had a different name as they stretched endlessly throughout the house. Well, what a lot of us did, we thought, well, he said everything here is ours. So we walked over to the door marked answered prayer and took the door handle and uh, doorknob and started to walk in, and lo and behold, the door was locked. We shook it, thought, well, maybe it's jammed a little bit. He said it's ours, so surely he wouldn't walk, lock us out of these things. But we shook the door, and sure enough, it was locked. We thought, well, what do we do? And then we got thinking, like a lot of us, we got to remember all those keys we'd accumulated down through the years. We thought, well, I've got a few keys here. Let me try these, see if one of these keys will work. Oh, yeah, here's a key called religious activity. I'm sure that'll work. And we stuck it in there, but no, it wouldn't fit. And we looked at our other keys and we thought, uh, yeah, here's one to a GM, a Christian car. No, not that one right there. But here's one that's marked uh, uh, tithing. This will work. And we tried. None of the keys would accumulate in life. Not a one of them would unlock the door. So we're standing there. We're thinking, well, the master builder told us it's ours. Every room is ours. Everything in the house is ours to enjoy, but we can't get in any of them. And then we heard the master builder's voice again. And he said to us, do you remember the key that I gave you to get in? Yes, the key of faith. He said, try it. We took the key, marked faith, stuck it in the door, turned, and the door clicked and swung open. And the master builder said to us, the key of faith is a master key. It unlocks every door in the house. Now, do you get the picture? As ye have received Christ Jesus, so walk ye in Him. You receive Christ by faith. You walk by faith. And faith is essential to me experiencing all that's been given to me in Christ. Faith is essential for me to experience all that is mine, what I have the right to enjoy, what I have the right to experience, what I have the right in Jesus Christ to claim as my own. Faith is essential for me to use them or to get them. Same thing true about this church. We talk about our future, where we're going in the days to come praying and wanting to know what the Lord wants and the directions and praying for this and asking God for that. I'm going to tell you something. Faith is essential to go forward with God. Faith is essential to, take, to get things from God. Faith is the key that unlocks every door to all the things that we need. Answered prayer, power, needs being supplied, effectiveness, on and on and on and on. Faith 
is essential. Now listen to me and I'm through. Just as God demands faith to be saved, He demands faith to walk as a Christian. The children of Israel, God gave them a lamb. They eventually got there. Joshua 14, they're there. Forty years later, 40 years, 40 years earlier, they could have went on in. They were right there at the door. They were right there looking at the edge, and God says, this is yours, it's, you take it. Go up and possess it. And all they had to do was to take God at His word. But they didn't. And for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. In fact, every one of them, with the exception of two men, died. They never got to see the Lamb because they did not take God at His word. Faith is essential. In other words, Faith is required. Faith is required. Now, next week we're going to see how faith is revealed. You see, the God will bring us to situations where it will reveal whether or not we have faith. But faith is required. Now, let's bow our heads for just a moment.